Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of prayer and scripture. We... Uh, Encourage you to share this video, bring others in from our online community. Let's come into the presence of the Lord. And you're also invited, as always, to leave your prayer intentions in the comments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, our lives are in your hands. We give ourselves completely to you, eager to serve you each day. And Lord God, we are ready to accept the hardships that come with living the Christian life. We know that persecutions and troubles are necessary to endure, to enter the kingdom of God, and we know that they are part of the promises of Christ. Not only forgiveness, redemption, salvation, resurrection, reconciliation, but also exclusion, persecution, crucifixion, and criticism of all kinds. We thank you, Lord, in advance that we can remain faithful in the midst of all of this. And we thank you, Lord God, also that you give us the gift of repentance. Deepen our repentance. We are sorry for all our past sins, and Lord God, we pray for the ability to forgive one another. We stand ready to forgive as they too repent. We pray, Lord God, for all those afflicted by abortion, all those who have had abortions and repented of that, all those who are silent no more. We pray for the babies in danger of abortion, that, that they may be protected. We pray, Lord God, that we may take a firm stand against this violence, which takes more human life than anything else violence of abortion. Enable us to fight it, Lord God, and to bring it to an end as we advance your kingdom of life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you know, uh, Saint John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus, leapt in the womb as we read in the Gospel of Luke when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the one who said to the world, this is Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John, as we read in the Gospels, was also uh, arrested. We're going to read that story today because there are two different days of the year when the Catholic Church particularly honors John the Baptist, the day of his birth, and that's celebrated on June 24th, and August 29th, which is observed as uh, the day of um, his beheading, his, the passion, the killing, the martyrdom of John the Baptist. So we're going to read that gospel passage that comes to us from the sixth chapter of Mark. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. She had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. 
He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give me at once on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back his head. He went off and beheaded him in the prison. He brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl in turn gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. He was martyred for defending marriage. The very gift that today so many, and even some of those in the clergy, fail to defend. That gift that the left wants to totally remake in their own image at the service of their own pleasure, convenience, and ideology, and give no thought to the fact that maybe God has a plan for marriage. Maybe God created it, like Scripture tells us, as the union, lifelong union, of one man and one woman. A man and a woman who, by the way, you can identify by their biology. But no, in our day, the attack on marriage is at a fever pitch, the attack on family, and these are just bitter fruits of the attack on human life itself, manifested above all in abortion. John was defending marriage, saying to, speaking the truth to power, saying to the king, whom he knew had power over him of life and death, my goodness, today preachers are afraid of, oh, they're going to remove our tax-exempt status, which in itself is a myth and a hallucination, as my book, Abolishing Abortion, points out, but which they're more afraid of that than anything. And, 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 and meanwhile, here with John was in much more danger. He knew that the king would have no hesitation to take his life. But he spoke the truth. You see... When we speak the truth to power, it's not because we think we are any better, morally or any other way. You speak, you challenge those in power and those not in power. I mean, John wasn't, this message would not have changed if he was speaking it to Herod or was speaking it to his next door neighbor. If you see that somebody's taking somebody else's wife, this is wrong. It's against the God's commandments. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife and certainly not... Uh, take her to yourself in marriage. So it violates multiple commandments. And the witness we give to those commandments is not some kind of arrogant statement that we're better than anyone else's. This is so important for us who would try to advance the kingdom of God, who try to build a culture of life, who try to fight evils like abortion, uh, and also the transgender ideology and, and other evils of our day, critical race theory and all the rest. So important for us to understand. We are not putting ourselves morally above anyone else. What we are doing is we are acknowledging a law given by God under which we, like everyone else, are accountable 
which we, like everyone else, need to observe, and against which we ourselves also rebel and fall short. The first thing for a proclaimer of God's law to do is to express repentance for his or her own sins. So we don't come, this is, John's proclamation here is an example for us. But it is not in any way an arrogant declaration of superiority. That is so important for us to understand. And the very reason we understand that also gives us confidence in the power of the word. What was John expecting to happen here? Well, perhaps the king would repent. The confidence we have in the power of the word, remember, and I quote it often, Isaiah says, with the Lord proclaiming, My word which comes forth from my mouth will not return to me void. The word is out there to bear some fruit, to make some fruit grow on the ground. Fruit of repentance. So yeah, if Herod hadn't killed John because of the story we just heard, maybe he would have repented. This was certainly John's hope. It's the hope of every preacher of the gospel. It's the confidence we have to have in the power of that word. And the confidence we have in the power of that word is based on the same thing that gives us humility as we preach that word because the confidence is this is the word of the Lord. And because it's the word of the Lord, we didn't write it. It doesn't mean we're superior to anybody else. We are subject to that same word. And you know what it also means? If it's the word of the Lord, we can't change it. If we didn't write it, we can't edit it. Now, but there's another point here that I want to make. And it kind of builds off this idea, you know, might Herod have repented had John stayed alive? The influence of Herodias. The lure of Herodias on Herod. Notice the reading points out that Herod had a conflict within himself. And in various different ways, this conflict is in all of us. That on the one hand, he's, when he hears the, the, the truth of the moral law, hears the truth of the gospel, he's perplexed. He's disturbed. He knows he's, he knows he's breaking it. And so maybe he's perplexed. It's like, why does this make me feel bad at the same time that there's some strange attractiveness to it? You see, we were made according to the word of God. Remember, God spoke and it was made. We were made according to the word and the word is the law. And so when we hear the word, even if we're far away from practicing it, it resonates with us in a way that falsehood does not. I worked for a while under John Paul II at the Vatican, and you know, John Paul II said, you know, very often falsehood has a bigger megaphone than truth, but truth has something falsehood doesn't. When people hear it, it has a resonance with them, with their mind and with their heart, because we're made according to it. Now, if we're not living it, it's gonna create a, create a, a grating. It's gonna create a, a, an uncomfortable uh, feeling. 
The Word of God is living and active, Hebrews tells us, sharper than a two-edged sword. So it was sharper than a two-edged sword in Herod's soul. On the one hand, he was perplexed. Well, why? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel drawn to this and also uh, rebuked by this at the same time? And how can one live this? Maybe this is how he was perplexed. How can one uh, master uh, one's own lust and... and um, uh, uh, what the 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 temptation to sin the covetousness is the word i was looking for how do we master this and herod is perplexed but you notice he liked to listen to him when the gospel is proclaimed there's a call to us to go beyond our comfort zone and to become someone that we are not now we that's actually becoming more of who we are but we change is the point. We change, we repent, we grow, and that's uncomfortable. So, yes, Herod locked him up, but he wasn't ready to completely silence him. He liked to listen to him. He was in conflict. There are those, brothers and sisters, who are open enough to the truth that they might not follow us, but they won't silence us either. But then you have the Herodias influence who wants right away to silence the message of truth. The Herodias influence is such that I cannot bear to even hear it. It bothers me so much. I'm not going to live and let live. I'm not going to say, well, I reject that truth. So if other people want to follow it, that's fine. But I'm going to follow my own way. They don't have that kind of inner strength. They're so afraid of the power of the word, so disturbed by it, and so closed to it, that they want to shut it up. This is what we see all the time. The war between culture of life and the culture of death, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Christ. Those who are running away from the light, those who hate the light, they want to shut it out. This way here, they don't have to hear a voice that is reinforcing that voice of conscience deep within them that is saying what you're doing is wrong. And so we have the phenomenon here of Herodias exercising an influence on Herod. Herodias wanted to shut him down. It says right here, she wanted to kill him, but was unable. Herod, on the other hand, was able, and so Herodias influences Herod. We've got to understand that that same kind of influence is around us, not in the same way. It's not that a girl is performing a dance and a king is making an oath. It's none of that. But we've got the Herodias influence out there that is trying to silence us, trying to get others to silence us. What do we see going on with the weaponization of government in the United States of America right now? Shutting down, using law, lawfare, using law to shut us up. And we've got to be determined it's not going to work. Yes, the law might come against us. Yes, it might deprive us of opportunities, may even deprive us of life. But it's never going to stop the determination we have to proclaim the word, to proclaim the truth, including speaking it to power. And if any one of us gets killed and, be, and getting killed should really be 
The only way that they can silence us, nothing else, we should not allow anything else to work. Not intimidation, not, oh, I'm going to lose my tax-exempt status, which, like I said, read my book, Abolishing Abortion. That's a, that's a heap of baloney. I could use some stronger words. We don't let any kind of threats or any kind of, oh, you're going to be hauled into court or the FBI is going to show up at your door or you're going to lose friends. No, none of it. You're going to lose your job. You're going to get kicked out of the priesthood. None of it should allow us to be intimidated. None of it should make us shut up. It's the Herodias influence. There are people who will influence other people who have some kind of power in our lives to shut us up. Do not be intimidated by that in the least. Speak louder. And this is something that this gospel passage brings out to us. John spoke. John's, look what John the Baptist's determination did. Not only did he speak that message to the king, but because he was steadfast and never got intimidated and never shut up, he spoke it through the ages, till the end of time. Till the end of time, this gospel will be proclaimed. Imagine that. What will your words do? They will live on in your children and your grandchildren. They will live on in the lives and hearts of so many people you influence who will in turn influence others. Like John the Baptist, the witness we give to the gospel can indeed, and this is no exaggeration, endure until the very end of the world. Let's pray. Father, we pray for marriage today. So under assault, so under just deliberate attack. Defend your gift. It is your creation, Lord. It is your possession. It's a sign of Christ and his church. That eternal union of life, fruitfulness, love, self-giving. Protect your gift of marriage and let us protect it. Give voice to the preachers, Lord. Let them use John the Baptist more as their example. Bless married couples that they may live that vocation faithfully and, and resist any temptation to covet another's spouse. May none of us covet another's spouse, married or not. Bless the children living in the womb. Bless the children living outside the womb. Bless us all and protect us from dangers, both physical and spiritual. Bless our leaders. Lord God, those who are in government power, give them the strength to protect religious freedom, to protect conscience. Lord God, help us to see the power of the word to change those in power and those who are addicted to sin. And finally, Lord God, hear all the prayers of the people that you have gathered here before you today. Prayers for health, prayers for strength, prayers for perseverance, prayers for guidance, prayers for consolation, prayers for forgiveness, prayers for the return of those who have wandered from the faith, and prayers of gratitude for successes in their lives. We lift all of this up to you and we summarize it all, offering the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. St. John the Baptist, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks, friends, for joining me. Let's continue to grow our online uh, community. I appreciate you sharing these videos, letting others know about them. And uh, follow me on social media, at FR Frank Pavone. And you know, there's a website, thebibleandabortion.com. We have all of these programs there. Now, if you're on the social media channels, if you scroll back, of course, you can find them from the past. Uh, but uh, a website conveniently having the links to all of them day after day is thebibleandabortion.com. Spread the word about that, too. And please support our work, prolifegift.org, prolifegift.org, or call our office, 321-500-1000, and our staff will guide you as to how you can help us, 321-500-1000. Very easy to remember. God bless you. We will talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.